Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie, and I believe that all readers should read children's literature, especially adults. So that's what we do on the Kid Lit Love podcast. We celebrate all things children's literature, picture books, early readers, middle grade, and young adult novels too. Whether you're an adult reading to your inner child or connecting the young readers in your lives with fantastic books, you've come to the right place. Each week, we'll talk to a different children's literature author and discuss their books, their hopes and dreams for readers, their writing process, and much, much more. So grab a notebook to build your TBR and let's get to today's episode of Kid Lit Love. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kid Lit Love podcast. I'm Stephanie and I'm here every week to chat with a new children's literature author so we can build our Kid Lit TBR stacks together. Today I'm here with Michelle Knutson, author of 50, yes, five, zero, 50 books for young readers of all ages. We're talking picture books, board books, beginning readers, middle grade novels, young adult novels, and even some short stories. We cannot possibly talk about all of them today on the podcast, but we'll try to mention as many of them as we can, and we'll take a deeper dive into one particular title and then talk about some new releases coming up soon too. Michelle, welcome to the Kid Lit Love podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm glad to be here. So 50 books, five Five zero. <laughs> that is a lot of books. <laughs> Some of them are very small. Still, still a lot of books. <laughs> so I'm just going to hand it right over to you so that we have as much time as we can to kind of sneak in some titles. How about you just start by telling us a little bit about you and that really tall stack of books that <laughs> you've written so far? <laughs> sure. Um, Okay, well, so as you said, I'm the author of 50 books, almost 51. My next one comes out in March. And I've been writing, I mean, my whole life, like most writers, um, but I've been writing professionally, I guess I would say since, uh, gosh, the late 90s. So it's been a a while. Um, I write all different kinds of books, like you said, for all different age groups, all different formats. Uh, I love fantasy. I love um, pretty much everything, but I don't write contemporary straight fiction. Uh, my only contemporary stories have like, you know, supernatural elements or something, something very unusual. Um, what else? Uh, I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm married and I have two stepdaughters and two cats. And um I grew up in Staten Island, New York. This is a very disjointed introduction, but I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> okay. Um, I teach writing for young people at uh, Leslie University's Low Residency MFA program, which I love. And I don't know what else is important to tell you about me. I love karaoke. Um, <laughs> very interesting. Karaoke scares the pants off of me. <laughs> really? Oh, it's fun. I used to, in in my Evil Librarian series, there's a lot of musical theater references. And I used to do a lot of musical theater as a younger person. And I don't have time for, you know, to actually be in a show. I mean, very, you know, I'm not good. I'm in the chorus. <laughs> but um, it's still, it's a lot with rehearsals and stuff, which I can't do anymore. So uh, karaoke is what I 
is what I have. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> a little, a little jealous. Maybe, maybe one day, you know, I'll get over my fear of doing that in front of people. I talk in front of people, but I will not sing. <laughs> so you mentioned the evil librarian. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to talk. I know we can't possibly talk about all of them, but there are a couple of books or at least the series trilogies that um, I would say you're probably well known for, like the Library Lion. That was always one of my favorites. Marilyn's Monster. Oh, loved Marilyn's Monster. But could you just kind of give us a little smattering of maybe it's your favorite titles or the ones that, you know, kids adore or just some that you think our audience needs to know about. And our audience is a range. We've got educators, librarians, parents, just people who love kid lit from picture books all the way up to young adult. Oh, that's okay. That's hard. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, Library Lion is by far my best known book, best selling book. Um, it was a New York Times bestseller. It's, it's still going strong after all these years. Um, it's actually, I should share this, it's going to be, it's already running as a play, as a musical in Israel, uh, which has been happening for about 10 years, and we're bringing it to the United States this year, wow. uh, which is super exciting. It's uh, it's going to start, I don't know how much I'm allowed to share yet, but I think it's going to begin in Boston, and we're hoping um, to be able to bring it around to different places. So Library Line, definitely, if you're, if you're going to read one book by me, that's the one. <laughs> Um, it's the one most people respond to. It's a special book to me because I love libraries. Uh, I was working in a library when I wrote it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's like the the one book if you're going to pick one. But I also love my fantasy series. Um, I have a, a one we're going to talk about today. The Dragon of Chalian is the first in my middle grade series. And, uh, and then I have the Evil Librarian trilogy, which is young adults uh, demons, also librarians. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of libraries and light and books and things in, in yeah. my book. Um, I would I would recommend evil librarian is definitely a little older. It's, uh, it's not, it's not super racy, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it to an elementary school child. There is some kissing and some swearing in it. Um, it's based on my, not, I mean, obviously not the demon part, but it is heavily influenced by my own high school experience. And we, I don't know, we cursed a lot. So it's in there. Um, <laughs> uh, what else can I tell you? I don't, I don't know. I guess those are like the, the maybe the highlights. Although it's, I'm looking at my shelf and I'm like, oh, but Big Mean Mike. Oh, but Marilyn's Monster. I, I love all my books. So it's hard to, it's hard to pick. Well, you know, I, I've heard, more than one author joke, like asking that question of which one to talk about or which one you love the most is like, you know, picking your favorite kid. So mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely a hard task, but I'm glad you mentioned um, Library Lion. I mentioned Marilyn's Monster because I, I love that one and how exciting to know that that is, that is being, an not animated, but I guess brought, brought to life. That brought to life. With your your background, your karaoke love, that must be <laughs> a really nice combination of events right there. I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait. As soon as I have more information, I will be sharing it everywhere, of course. Great. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So that kind of gives readers just a, a smidge, a smidge overview of, <laughs> of all of the books that you've written. But as you mentioned, we were going to take a deeper dive into a middle grade title. 
um, which is the dragon of Trellian. And I, I had said in a previous email, I said it before we started recording again, fantasy is typically not my go-to genre. I was always that practical kid that, you know, reading those books, I love to escape in books. But if I couldn't really imagine it in my my very literal mind, I had a hard time connecting to the story. But I loved this book. I, I don't know if it's because I'm older and I loved the characters, but I loved I loved the different journeys that each of the characters took. And I loved, you know, that that magical element. I was looking up new words. I was Googling what some of these things might look like, but I would love for you to jump in and just give readers uh, an overview of, of the book. And then we can talk about the parts of it. Okay. Um, so the dragon of Chalian was actually my first novel. It was not, it was. Uh, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. I had written books for younger readers. I started out, I guess I should have said this too. I started out as a children's book editor at Random House um, right out of college. It was my first, my first real job. And it was actually, I shouldn't, I mean, I, I tell people this, so it's not like a secret, but I, I'm hoping my, my bosses never hear it. Um, I didn't actually, I, I didn't know a lot about children's books when I applied for this job. I really wanted to get into Random House so that I could eventually go to Del Rey, which is their fantasy and science fiction imprint. Cause that had always been my love. So I went into this interview like really excited about children's literature. But at the time I didn't really know a lot about it. I definitely overplayed my interest a little bit in the job interview. And then I have no idea why they hired me. Um, I think it's because I, well, I mean, I think they liked me hopefully, but also I had written, I had taken one children's literature course in college and had written the most terrible cliche picture book as one of my assignments, which I actually brought to my interview. So I'm extra surprised they hired me, but anyway, they hired me. And my plan totally backfired because I loved it so much. Um, children's books was like, it was everything I loved about science fiction and fantasy because you could do anything in, in picture books, especially you could write about anything. And something about doing it for young readers just added this whole other level of, um, I think you really think about connection with the reader in different ways. And so I just loved it. I loved it so much. And so I started working on books in-house. My first books were, um, that means books that like the editor, an editor will write for free as part of our job um, okay. that we don't hire an illustrator for. So often those are board books, novelty books, um, things that are more about the concept, about the um, about the artwork, um, about the function of the book. And it was a great way to sort of get started writing for different age groups. And then I started writing, uh, what were the first ones I sold on my own? I feel like they were early readers. And I was working on a bunch of different things. I was trying to write a, a picture book um, for a long time and couldn't quite get it together until Library Lion sort of just happened. And that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Um, but I had always wanted to write novels, always wanted to write novels. And finally, one day I sat down and I was like, I'm just going to start. Like, I, I felt like I would wait until I knew what I was doing. And then I realized I may never know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to begin. And I didn't really have, I didn't know a lot about the story. I knew I wanted it to be a fantasy. I knew there had to be a dragon. I knew I wanted it to have uh, a boy and a girl main character. 
and that it would be a friendship story. And I was going to try to throw in everything that I loved. And the one thing I had was this image of these two characters in a window. And I just sort of started with that. I'm like, who are these people? What are they doing? Why are they there? And the story sort of began to develop. And that's the first scene in the book when Meg and Kaylin are, you know, run into each other um, when they're both being somewhere that they're not supposed to be and, you know, watching the procession. Um, and it was, it took me a really long time to write it because I, because again, I was sort of feeling my way through. I had no idea how to write a novel. Um, but it's, it's a very special book to me because it was, it was the first one. And because um, I just, I love the characters so much. So how did the connection between um, her and the dragon come to be? Because this, for me, this was the most fascinating, this idea of linking, this idea of energy, this idea of like letting go into who you are and 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 the things you feel and just seeing what happens. Like I was fascinated by that, that whole thing. That's where I started going to Google and saying, okay, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta figure this out because there's so much, I think, especially now, like people are open or at least I'm hearing it everywhere about, you know, abundance and the way the universe works and energy. And, and I was just fascinated between this, dragon that I was imagining in my mind, you know, first this teeny tiny little cute little thing stored away and then how it comes into its own and how she comes into her own too. So the whole thing fascinated me. And I'm just wondering when you had that picture in your mind of where to begin, where did that element come from? Did you know that was going to be in there? Does that just kind of come to you as the story starts to unfold? Because I just loved that relationship too. That is a great question. And I, I don't think anyone has really asked me that before. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I mean, it was also a long time ago that I wrote this story, right? So I'm trying to remember how did that idea. I mean, there is definitely in all of my books, there is an undercurrent of like um, wanting. There's a lot of there's a lot of friendship stories, but there's also this idea of wanting to have like a real connection wanting to, you know, feel accepted, wanted to feel unconditional love. Yeah. And I think I felt like this. And there's also the fact that like I had, when I was little, I had always wished that I could communicate with animals. That was a big, big thing. So I feel like a lot of that came together and the idea of sharing, being able to really feel the emotions of um, not even just another person, but another entity who's very different than you and having this it's not quite a shared consciousness, but it's this deep connection. I mean, that's sort of like the ultimate, um, the ultimate, like it's beyond friendship. It's this really deep relationship. And, and I just, I was really interested by the idea of how would that play out? And of course it's scary for her at times. She doesn't really understand what's happening. Um, and she, you know, she loves it, but she's afraid of it, which can also be something that of course that happens in relationships, right? When you start to feel that connection with somebody, um, so it was a really just interesting thing to explore as the story went forward. Yeah. Well, I'm honored that no one has ever asked that <laughs> question before, because that was definitely going through my mind, um, as I was reading, reading the story. Um, and I loved the, you know, the magical elements in there's as well of, you know, I could imagine like an apothecary room with all the things and this, the 
you know, maybe I can't remember if you call them spells or, or just the things that, that he was learning. Mm -hmm. um, I love, even though it was magical, that idea of seeing someone grow into their career, grow into their passion, grow into something that they loved while not always being sure of, of that direction. I, re I really love seeing that aspect of his development too. Mm -hmm. I just really connected to the characters. They were just both so relatable in, and that's what struck me because as someone who doesn't usually read fantasy, I, I find it harder to relate to fantasy, but these two, I, I was just so, I was, I was there with them the whole, the whole way. So I, I guess that you knew you wanted it to be a, a, a friendship kind of story, but I loved how they were each on their own path, yet still connected and, and trying to help each other figure out what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say that became challenging, especially in the sequels, I think, um, where my editor would often have to point out, you know, like one character was doing, was doing a lot more in this book than the other character. And, um, making sure I was balancing their stories and um because it it's hard to do a dual you know like I get caught up in one and <laughs> I want it all to work out um but thank you for what you said about being able to relate to the characters because that obviously is super important to me and I love them but it's always you know you always wonder when you write a book like is everyone else gonna love them like I love them you know like am I getting all of everything that's wonderful about them across on the page and I also love how uncertain they are and how much um, I think Kaylin especially struggles with not only self-confidence, but just sort of everything <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, you know, a really interesting part of the book for me too, and I, I always toy with oh, how much do you say for someone who maybe didn't read the book? So I don't give the book away, but, but there is a part of the the story where they suddenly find themselves in a completely different place completely different location, trying to figure out what has happened. How do we get back? How do we help solve what was going on when we left? Again, this is me trying not to give, <laughs> not to give um, spoilers. And I think, you know, for, for any reader, whether you're an adult reader, whether you're a young adult reader, a middle grade reader, you know, life gives you situations where suddenly you feel out of place, whether you're standing in the same physical location or not, life can just throw some things at you that you have to figure out. And for me, I, I really loved that part and how the story went from there because it seemed like, okay, we're done. We're doomed. Like it's, it's, it's over. What, what do we do now? And then of course the story still continues. And, and even though we may not all have dragons or places, you know, that, that we're physically going away from, I felt like so many different kinds of readers could find an entry point in that mm -hmm. book, whether it was because of the character, because they were facing something hard, because they were trying to solve this particular challenge, whatever it was, I, I feel like so many different readers could enter in the story wherever they happen to need it to be. Mm. It's a lovely thing to say. Thank you. I'm glad that it, I'm glad that that's how it came across for you. Um, I think a big part, a big part of, a big part of why I wanted to write fantasy and also I think why I ended up writing for this age group as my first book is because uh, when I was at the age of this reader was probably like 
I would say it was like the toughest time growing up, you know, uh, starting middle school, mm-hmm. you know, not always feeling, uh, I don't know, there was a lot of feeling alone. There were like difficulties with friends. And so fantasy novels were both my escape and um, I would read about these characters and they, they were all, they like felt, you know, I mean, this is maybe cliche to say, but they felt like my friends, you know, I felt like I'm having trouble with my friends in real life, but these people are here for me. And like, these are the people I wish that I could spend time with in real life. And I think part of writing this book was wanting to, wanting to do that from the other side, to write the kind of story where someone else might be in a not great time of their life, but, but like be able to feel like I can rely on these characters and their friendship and, and sort of you know, be with them <laughs> when I can't really be with my own life at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Completely understand. That's exactly what books have always done for me. They're, they're my friends. They're <laughs> what, what's happened is real. And it just yeah. becomes part of my brain um, as, as if it would. So I can completely understand that. Now I haven't read the, the follow-up yet. I haven't read the second or the the third book. But I must say, I really was relieved when I found out there was more because at the end I thought, wait, no, wait, what? I, I, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm, I'm, I need to know what is, what is going to happen next. So for readers to know there is a trilogy. So there are two more right in the series where it can keep going and we can follow these characters for a little bit longer. Yes. And the third one is my favorite of the of the trilogy, I have to say, but you have to read them in order. You can't you can't start there. I would never dream of going out of order. I don't think my reading brain would let me break the rules no. like that, but that's good to know that the third is your favorite. So now I'll keep that in mind as as I get there. Now, I know you mentioned this was written a little while ago, but off camera, you've talked about how you, there's another one coming, right? Or at least not, not in the trilogy, but in that kind of genre. Do you, do you get to give us a, a little sneak peek? Yeah. Um. So it's unrelated. It's a new middle grade fantasy. Well, my, the next book that comes out is actually a new picture book. That's the one that comes out in March. Yes. Yes. Um, we need to talk about that too. <laughs> but then the next one after that will be a new middle grade fantasy, completely unrelated. Um, doesn't have a title yet. I am terrible at titles. They're either, I either have them immediately and they're obvious like Library Lion or it's like a struggle until the last minute. Like my editor and I are sending lists of ideas back and forth and, you know, we have to find something because like they have to make the book and we have to put something on it. Right. Um, I have no idea what this next title is going to be. I'm very stressed about it, but it's, uh, it's another friendship story. It's two girls this time. And it's a portal fantasy. So it starts in our world, um, but goes elsewhere. And what else can I say about it at this point without giving too much away? Um, I mean, it was another one where the characters were really central. Um, Their relationship is the core of the story. And so there's all this other stuff happening and magic and more dragons. uh, Because I was always a little... I don't want to give too much away about Trillian, but I, I felt like there could have been more dragons. And so I was like, my next book, I'm going to write more dragons in there. Um, well, I'm now fascinated by them. So that's good. <laughs> it's They're the best. I, I don't know. Like, I just find them very exciting. Um, and 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. It's been so long since I've written a middle grade fantasy um, for no reason. Like I've just, I like to work in all different formats and there's only so many books you can write at one time. And so, and I started, I had the first scene of this new book years ago. Like I just wrote the scene and I was like, I don't know who these people are or what's going to happen, but I like, I like this moment when they first meet and, uh, I would just kind of come back to it and come back to it. And then I started to kind of feel like, oh, wait, I think I might know more of the, more of what could happen. And I, you know, started working on it in earnest. Okay. That fascinates me that the whole process of how <laughs> the, the book goes from this little wisp of an idea to the book that I hold in my hand just fascinates me. And you've said this now the second time, because for the dragon of Trillian, the scene came mm-hmm. to you first. And now for this book, a scene is coming to you. Is that typically how your writing brain works where something pops in and maybe you hang on to it for a while? Maybe, maybe you work with it or, or I guess I'm asking how, how, yeah. how do those <laughs> ideas come for you in scenes like that or in all sorts of ways? All sorts of ways. Although now that I, I'm really thinking about it, I guess all of the novels at least the first ones, you know, not the sequels are a little different process, right? Because I've already got the characters in the world. Um, I guess that is how it starts. I mean, there's always something, there's got to be something, right? Like I don't, I don't generally start with like, okay, I'm going to think of a plot, you know, like it's, it's got to be some small thing that feels exciting. Um, I have tons and tons of terrible ideas and I have, I have files everywhere. I don't throw anything out. So I have like, endless word documents where there's like a sentence and maybe I'll come back, I'll come back and maybe it'll never be anything. And then maybe one day I'll be like, huh, you know, and then I'll feel like I can, I can kind of go from there. I also have a lot of post-it notes. Like I just write things down, stick them around (laughs) and hope that like, like there's something about these words or this phrase that sparks something. Yeah. But I don't know what it is yet. You know, I just, I like to be, open. I like to just, I want to, I want my, my writing brain to know that I'm, I'm listening. And even if I don't have the full thing yet, like I'll take what I'll take what I can come up with and, and trust that maybe eventually it'll develop. First of all, I'm a fan of sticky notes, so I, I can appreciate that process, but I, I also love how maybe that idea, that line, that sentence, that scene comes to you, but you just hang on to it. And it may not be something you do something right away with, but even it sounds like in some cases, a couple of years later, all of a sudden that idea is there ready, ready to go. It's just, it, it just fascinates me how you can create worlds like this, how you can even get a non-fantasy reader to just be all <laughs> in to that world. And it just started with a, a scene, just started with a, with a scene in your mind. Yes. And ended with my new slight obsession with dragons and <laughs> I can't tell you how, as I was reading particular parts that I just wanted to be able to have that invisibility too. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, what I would do <laughs> skill right now. It was fun. It was fun to imagine. Now you mentioned the book, actually, before I asked that, when, when's the anticipated date for that next middle grade novel? Like how far it, out do we have to wait? It's 2025. Okay. I, I hope in the spring. We don't have a, we don't have a, I actually, I, I should be writing the third draft right now. Um, so I think the spring is the earliest. Uh, hopefully it's going to be spring 25, but we don't have a firm, a firm date yet. 
That's not too far away. We don't have to wait all that long. You've got 50 or 51 by that time, other books that we can go through in your backlist. (laughs) But why don't you tell us about the picture book that is coming out sooner? Sure. Uh, So that one is called Luigi, the spider who wanted to be a kitten. And it's uh, all my friends, when they heard about it, were like, what? Because I'm terrified of spiders. I have been terrified of spiders my whole <laughs> life. And so my childhood friends are like, seriously, <laughs> you wrote a book about a spider. Um, and it's illustrated by Kevin Hawks, who did the illustrations for Library Lion. So I was so excited to get to work on a project with him again, um, even though we don't work together like most writers and illustrators don't actually like right. collaborate in real time. But there's sort of that behind the scenes, like not behind the scenes. I don't know what it would be. This uh, asynchronous collaboration where, um, you know, our work is informing each other's work, but we're not directly in communication during that process, which is just fascinating, I think. It is fascinating because as a reader, you know, the the words matter, the pictures matter, but it's that that energy between them that is so magical. And when I first realized that sometimes you never actually had a live conversation with each other in the collaboration of that book, it, it just blew my mind that that kind of energy and magic could show up between the two without, mm-hmm. without really knowing that process. I, I really was surprised at, at how that can work. So that is exciting. It's kind of full circle, right? I really yeah. Love, you know. Um. Yeah, I think our thing is we write books with uh, older ladies and strange friendships with animals. It's because, uh, it, well, in Luigi, it's um, it's about a giant spider who is mistaken for a kitten and um, starts living like the kitten life. This older lady adopts him. And uh, at first he's very confused because he's not a kitten. His name is not Luigi, doesn't know what's going on, but he starts to really love it. And then he's terrified that someone's going to reveal to her that he's not actually a kitten and he'll lose everything. So it's uh, Publishers Weekly called it an emotional roller coaster, which I, I, I guess is a is a compliment because it's you know it's very you feel his um, feel his his concern, his deep deep worry that he's going to lose everything he's come to love. So um, hopefully people will will identify with him, even though he's the cutest spider I've ever seen. I have to say, Kevin Hawks is a genius. And to be able to make a spider to be so adorable, like you really just want to like snuggle with him. He's so, he's so cute. (laughs) One time we can root for the spider. (laughs) And they're very good. I just want to say, I acknowledge spiders are very good creatures. I don't kill spiders. I'm just afraid of them. I did exposure therapy many years ago to kind of uh, work on that so that I am better able to help them outside when they come into my house. And, um, you know, they're very good. I just, I just don't like to be around them so much. Yeah. Well, it seems like that therapy's working because now you're writing about them at least. Yes. So to be able to, to have them take space in your imagination, that means you've come a long way. <laughs> well, he was, he was inspired actually by, um, I was staying, I was between apartments and I was staying at a friend's house upstate. And, uh, and my friend wasn't there the whole time. Like I was just using his house and there was, it's the country, there are big spiders. And so there was this one that I kept seeing and he was way too big for me to like trap him in a cup or something. Um, 
So I would talk to him and I named him Luigi and I would encourage him to please stay on the other side of the room. Don't crawl on me when I'm sleeping, like just stay away. Um, And something about, you know, the personality I had assigned him, I guess, (laughs) stuck with me. Um, And then I started, you know, thinking about this story uh, of, you know, of a, a, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a different story ultimately, but um, that was the sort of beginning of where I came from. Oh, I love that. I, 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 I think that's one of my favorite pieces of our conversation is to know where these little flashes of ideas come from in, in your books. And now a spider, I live in upstate New York, so maybe I've seen Luigi. You never know. (laughs) Tell him hi. (laughs) Oh, that's exciting. So picture book in 2024. When is that planned release? March 5th. Oh, so it's coming. Okay. Yeah. So very soon. Very, very soon. I'll be having a launch party in Brooklyn if, uh, you know, anybody wants to come. It's at Lofty Pigeons Books, uh, which is a new independent bookstore in my neighborhood, which I'm really excited exists. I can walk to them from my house, which has not been the case before. So, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So your your book numbers are going to keep on climbing. I hope so. (laughs) As you think about... The books that you've written, the books that are are coming out, and maybe even the books that are still kind of taking space in your your mind right now. What is what is your hope for readers? I guess, or what do you hope readers will walk away from after they read your books, knowing that you've got a very wide audience that you're working with? But is there is there something you know that just comes through from you to the books that you're hoping will eventually get to your reader? Um, that is also a good question. I mean, I, I guess ultimately, like if I had to kind of boil everything down to like one thing, it would be, uh, kind of just a, a very general reassurance that things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like all of my, I don't, you know, I don't write tragedies, like bad things happen sometimes in my books. Cause that's life. Um, but ultimately I think I try to write about you know, like friends relying on each other, families relying on each other, um, strength of character, you know, what you can do if you really put your mind to it, um, struggling and succeeding. Like I, I want people to come away feeling like, you know, things can get bad, but ultimately they're going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, beautiful message for kids and adults alike. I think I write the message that I need to, (laughs) that I need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And from the books of yours that I've read, I would say you've certainly accomplished that. Oh, that's good. Thank you. So where can listeners find you? Where can they kind of go through the catalog of your backlist and, and learn more about what's coming, whether that's a website, social media, any places you'd like to point them to? Sure. Um, my website is probably the best place that's got all the information. Um, and it's just, it's just my name.com, michellenewtson.com. And I try to keep, I'm pretty good about updating it. Um, I think the only thing that's not on there is information about the library lion play, just cause I don't have enough mm-hmm. information to share yet. And then I'm also pretty, uh, active on Instagram. Please follow me there. That's it. I haven't found another, I'm still sort of on X. Twitter, whatever, and uh, sort of on Blue Sky, but I, I haven't quite figured it out yet. So 
neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many. There's too many places we could we could figure out. I think having one home where people can find you is good. Yeah. Oh, and I have a newsletter, a very occasional newsletter um, that people can sign up for either at, on, through Instagram. There's a link. And also on my website, there's a link. Um, and it's not it's not too often because I know everybody gets too much email, but it's like when I have something interesting that's happening or when there's a new book or uh, an update on, you know, upcoming stuff, um, I send those out. Great. Well, I'll make sure to put the the website address and your social media links um, in the show notes. And then that way listeners can just do a, a quick click and, and find you right away. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come on and talk about all of your wonderful books. I look forward to both of them, the next two coming <laughs> out, one that I can get my hands on fairly soon and then another in the future. Enjoy that launch party. Thank I'm you. in upstate New York. I would love to say I would make a, you know, a quick train ride down, but maybe, maybe one day I always love visiting new bookstores. So I'm going to put that on my, my bookstore bucket list too. <laughs> thank you again. I really appreciate it. And everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the Kid That Love podcast. And I'll see you inside the next one. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Kid Lit Love podcast. You'll find links to all the books, resources, and ideas mentioned in the show notes at alitlife.com. And if you want more, you might like to listen to my other podcast called Get Literate. It's a podcast that explores all things books and reading, notebooks and writing, and everything in between to build a life you love. One more thing. If you love what you listened to today, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast or take a screenshot of the episode and text it to a bookish friend. This helps the podcast grow and builds our bookish community of kid lit love. Thanks for listening.